Oh, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Good to see you. You're looking good. Good to be here. It's good to worship together. And we just want to continue in our love and our worship for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, Our message this morning is called The Anointed One. We're going to go to Luke chapter 4. We'll go to several portions of Scripture. And we'll come back and forth into chapter 4 of Luke. But uh, let's go there now. The Anointed One. Chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, all the way through verse 24. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Please pay attention to the words that we're going to see in this portion. He returned to Galilee in the... I'm sorry, this is... Can I uh, put this down here, this ring? Or or right here, inside, right here. Okay, if you've lost it, it's a wedding band. And I can't use it. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Keep that in mind, would you? He's just come back to his hometown area. And he's beginning to teach in the synagogues, and people are liking it. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Listen to that. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant. Are you taking pictures, your your spiritual pictures? Are you seeing what's going on? He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, I love this part, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do in your hometown as well. Look, listen to that, listen to that. Okay, Go back to that, can you go back to that there? He said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me. He's talking. Physician, him, he's the physician. Heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, you do it here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. Interesting portion of scripture. Verse 13 of the same chapter is, tells us that Satan has just finished tempting Jesus. As a matter of fact, Three or four weeks ago, I preached a message from Matthew chapter 4 about the temptations. You remember that? Well, in Luke, Luke 
shows that also. And we see it finished, and we find out that Jesus wins. You can't beat Jesus in a fight. And some of us have found that out. I don't want to look around. Jesus wins and Satan leaves. And now that Jesus has won the fight with the devil, now he's free to minister. Well, verse 14 says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Go back there, Derek, would you? Thank you. He returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's an interesting verse. I have a question. I have lots of questions. We're supposed to ask questions, remember? Take pictures, read between the lines, dig deep with that little trowel. I have a question. It says he returned in the power of the Spirit. When did Jesus receive the Spirit? Is that a fair question? I think so. He returned in the power of the Spirit. Can I drop you back into John 1.1, which is not up there, don't worry about it. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Peter, chapter 1, and that's not up there, don't worry about that. It says, Peter says that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth. When did Jesus receive the Spirit? He always was the anointed one. He didn't wake up one morning and say to the Father, you know, I think you ought to probably anoint me. Before God ever spoke, let there be light, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were together, and they were anointed already to do the work that the Spirit requires Jesus to do once he took on the form of human flesh. Jesus is always the anointed one. And it's important that we see that and feel that. In our, I need to know as I go day by day, that I need to know that the anointed one is with me. I, I, I can't stop it. Gee, are, are you still anointed, Jesus? Because I'm going through a rough time. No. He's anointed. He's always been anointed. He always will be anointed. And that will never change until we see him face to face, and then it will still be the anointed one that we're looking at. Amen? Well, verse 16 says that he enters the temple. He came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. I need you to know something. Not everybody that goes into the synagogue is allowed to stand up and read. You have to be recognized as someone who has the privilege or the reality or, or, or the re- or reason for standing up and reading. Uh, you, you, the average layperson could not go into the synagogue and say to the rabbi, I, th- I think I'd like to read today. It doesn't work that way. But Jesus goes into the synagogue and it says he stands up to read. And the scripture says in the next verse, that the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, was handed to him. He did not ask for that book. It was handed to him by the rabbi that was in charge. Well, okay. Here, Nick, read. Well, Nick doesn't know what I'm giving him, but all of a sudden, he's got a book in his hand. Jesus takes the book that was given, the scroll, 
It is the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he opens it up. And he begins to read Isaiah chapter 61, 1, which is the same as what we're going to share here. Here's what it says in Isaiah, which is part of Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Israel has not had a prophet for 400 years. We're, we're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are 400 years after Malachi. There's been no prophet, there's been no voice saying, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet. All they have is their regular synagogue services with their regular rabbis. But suddenly, Jesus stands up to read, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach. Hmm. He suddenly reveals himself to the congregation that he is the anointed one from God. That might be a little bit startling. Here is this young man, 30 years old. He's very well respected, very well versed. And suddenly he's looking at you and he's saying, I want you to know who I am. Spirit of the Lord's upon me. There's a reason why the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he, the Lord, has appointed, anointed, demanded, decreed that I preach the gospel to the poor. There had been no prophets for 400 years, and suddenly this young man stands up and reveals himself as being the anointed one from God. Why? Why did God anoint him? What's the point? What's the purpose? God anointed him because Jesus now has a work to do for Israel. They haven't had someone come along and say, I'm the answer. And so God has now anointed him because now Jesus has a job to do for the church. For them, the Jews, and for you, New Hope, you, me, every one of us that say we love the Lord. God has anointed his son to come into our lives, to minister to us, to give us strength, to give us the wisdom that we need day by day by day to do his will. He's the anointed one that touches your life. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. Well, let's see what it says, verse 18. We're there. It says he's going to preach the gospel, and the word gospel means what? Say it louder. Good, good. You've had some pretty good instructions. The gospel means good news. Paul said in chapter 1 of Romans, Verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Greek. The gospel has a power built into it, because it's the word. He said, I have come because he's anointed me to preach the word, the gospel, to the poor. And he doesn't mean the poor, meaning the homeless that are on the side of the street. He means the poor who do not know Jesus Christ. And that was all of Israel. They did not know Jesus Christ. They did not want to know him at this point in their lives. They weren't interested in this guy in, in the manner in which he was coming, and they didn't like certain things. But he's going to proclaim good news to the poor people without Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to proclaim release to the captives. Freedom. Freedom. Before I gave my life to Jesus, I was 16. 
I wasn't messed up as a teenager, thank God. I, I thank God for that. I had a good upbringing in the church. But I was a captive. I was interested in things that were not necessarily godly things. Of course, none of you were ever there, I know that. You were so perfect. I'm going to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm going to proclaim release to the captives. Proclaim. <laughs> I, got, I got to throw this in. I got to. The word proclaim means to announce officially, publicly. Can I, can I do that? Can I make a proclamation to you this morning so that you understand the power of proclaim? This is a public proclamation from Rudolf Charles Greco. I proclaim, I announce publicly that I will run for the President of the United States in 2024. Approved by Rudolf Charles Greco. That's a proclamation, kind of stupid one, but that's a proclamation. <laughs> and he's coming and he's saying, I'm going to proclaim, I'm going to make a proclamation so powerful that you won't forget it. Trump better watch out if I run. Anybody better watch out if I run. Nobody said amen. Why? Why? I'm going to proclaim. Release to the captives. Who's captive? Who's captive? All of Israel is captive. They don't know what religious liberty and freedom and worship is. They've got their Old Testament regime, and that's what they follow, all the Old Testament law, until Jesus has now come, and Jesus is going to change that. He says he is. They're not ready for all the change, but he's going to release them from the captivity of not knowing who he is. He's going to recover sight to the blind, both spiritually and physically. And as you'll read the Gospels, you'll find the miracles that were done. But the recovery of sight to the blind is more to the spiritual aspect. Because until I gave my life to Jesus at 16, I was blind. And so were you. And then you finally found something that made sense. Your eyes were open. Your spiritual eyes began to see the things that God wanted you to see and the things that God wanted you to do and the places God wanted you to go and what your life might be like now that your spiritual eyes were open because you said yes to Jesus and you invited him to come into your life. That's what he's saying. We're going to recover sight to the spiritually blind and we're going to set free those who are downtrodden and oppressed which was all of Israel, folks. And this is what we don't understand when we read the Bible. He came to a nation who didn't know what it was like to be free. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, as I did not know until I was 16, if you've never really given your life to Christ and surrendered to Him, you're not free. You can be. No one will force you to be. We can't do that. We don't do that. But we offer freedom to you. That's what he was doing. I'm going to set free those who are oppressed, those who don't know that they're so bound up. They don't know it, but if they'll give me their life, if they'll say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, all that I've committed, and the sin I was born with thanks to Adam and Eve, 
Forgive me. And if you do that and you mean it, He will release you from your oppression. That's what salvation's about. He says one more thing, and we never, never seem to talk about this. He says, I'm going to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Leviticus chapter 25. It's an interesting scripture, which we never deal, we never talk to it. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 10, 11, and 12. You shall thus consecrate the 50th or... Do you remember the year of Jubilee? Anybody remember studying anything about it? Okay. You shall consecrate... This is Old Testament. This is the prophets telling Israel how to respond. You shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim a release through the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his own property, and each of you shall return to his family... And you shall have the 50th year as a jubilee. You shall not sow, nor reap in its aftergrowth, nor gather in its untrimmed vine. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat its crops out of the field. What he is saying is, every 50th year, people are going to be released from their debt, from their imprisonment, from all. They're going to have things that they can go back to their family, they can go back to their home. Jesus said in Luke, I'm going to proclaim a favorable year to you. Isn't it kind of funny? This young man of about 30 years old is standing up in a synagogue telling Jews what he's about to do for them and they don't quite understand him. The problem is, and it's Leviticus tells us there'll be restoration. Things that you lost, you're going to get back. I like that. Do you like that? We've lost things in life for whatever reasons. But I need to know that God wants to restore. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about things like that. But we've lost things in life. And wouldn't it be nice if we could just trust God to restore some of those things back to us so that we feel whole again, complete again? That's what he's talking about. Well, Jesus can't fulfill this unless he's anointed. And he is. He's anointed to destroy the work of the devil. My question is this. Will we let Jesus destroy the work of the devil in our lives, in our family, in our children, in our church, Wherever we may be, are we willing to let Jesus interfere to the point where he sees the devil making an aim at us, trying to destroy us, and Jesus comes in and smashes him, but we have to be willing to accept him as the anointed one to do that. There are some things I can't do on my own. And some of us have tried doing that for years, and it never worked. Yeah, very few amens. I need him. I need him to destroy the devil and every influence he has. Life, family, church, country. Let me share something with you I just found out the other day about our country. Now, you, you know we're, we're in a somewhat of a political mess. I don't care what party you're with. I'm not here to tell you what party to go to. I'm just telling you, open up your eyes and you know we have a mess. I was told by someone that I trust who also 
uh, has some spiritual background and, and uh, deals with people who have spiritual background. This year, May 17th, this year, I don't know, maybe you've heard of this, there'll be, there'll be a meeting in Geneva, Switzerland. Anybody hear about this? The purpose of the meeting in Geneva, Switzerland, with all these countries coming together, representatives, is to form a one-world government. See, I want the anointed one around me. I'm not afraid of that meeting. You need to know that. I'm not afraid because I've got an anointed one who deals with me on a day-by-day basis and deals with you on the same premise And he is the one who said, I have come to bring release. I've come to bring joy. I've come to take all that stuff away. The the oppression, I've come to take it away. And I don't care what they're going to say in Geneva. Jesus is still the anointed one. Verse 20 and 21. Interesting two verses. He closed the book, means he's done, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, listen to this, today, this scripture, this scripture, which is 700 years old, This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. How do you feel the people felt when they said that? Who is this guy? He just quoted out of Isaiah a a prophecy that was made 700 years ago. He sat down and said, this is it. This is it. And the Bible tells us that they loved him until he proclaimed something in verse 24. He was honest with them. He said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. Next verse. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Don't worry about it. Okay. No prophet is welcome in his hometown. And when he dealt with this, they got mad. In fact, they got so mad, they were in a rage. They were in a rage so bad that they, want, they found a cliff and they wanted to throw him off the cliff and kill him. But the scripture says he just passed right on through and kept going on with his ministry. Why did they get so mad? Question. Because all that Israel wanted Jesus to do was to overthrow Rome. They were not interested in spiritual freedom. They were interested in political freedom. What are you interested in? Because that's what God's going to deal with you about. Where is your your heart? What are you looking for? What do you want out of life? What do you want God to do for you? And what do you want to do for God? It's got to be two-way street. Amen? It's not one way. And they hated him because he was not going to do what they wanted done. And that was to get rid of Rome so that they could have their own nation back. They didn't mind if he was king. Oh, let him ride in on a big white horse with a big sword say, I'm your king, we're free now, Rome is gone. They wanted that. But they didn't want what he was offering. He was offering spiritual freedom. 
a spiritual connection with God, which the nation of Israel did not have. Well, let me fast forward to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Jesus has ministered through the couple, three years. And it's the first Palm Sunday, believe it or not. When they approached Jerusalem, this is the Palm Sunday, Sunday before Easter, which is we're celebrating today. When they approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you. Immediately you'll find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them. Bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken of through the prophet. Oh. Say to the daughter of Zion, this is the prophet, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats. Doesn't sound like a king with, on a big stallion with a sword. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. They're making a pathway for him. Yes. The crowds going ahead of, of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus gave directions to his disciples about what he wanted in the way of transportation on this Palm Sunday, a little jaunt. I don't want a stallion. I don't want guards with their spears alongside of me. Just give me that little colt next to that little donkey. And that was prophesied, as I said before, 700 years before. 700 years. Who is this? They said, this is Jesus, the prophet. Question. Will we let the anointed one enter our space? The Jews said, no way, Jose. They were on the Spanish side. No, they didn't want him. They didn't want him in their personal life. They didn't want him in their home. They didn't want him in their businesses. They didn't want him in their synagogue. They didn't want him in the workplace. No, they didn't want that. But verse 9, as we read it before, says this. Again, if you can grab it. The crowds were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're shouting Hosanna, but they don't want Hosanna. They're shouting this prophet, but they don't want this prophet. Let me tell you something. If you're going to come to Jesus, if you're really going to ask him to come into your life, you need to want him. You need to say, Lord, I'm open. I can't hide anything. I keep saying this to you because I've learned it. Not necessarily the hard way, but I've learned it over several years. I can't hide anything from God, Rick. 
I'm, I'm betting every one of us in here has tried that at least once. Maybe twice with Gary, but I don't know. I had to pick on him. We can't hide anything from God. You can't hide every, anything from the son of David. The Jews couldn't hide. They didn't want him. They didn't want this prophet. And so they didn't want him in their personal space. They said, no. What are we saying? Your personal space is your personal business. I grant you that. No one can force you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. We don't do that. But you have to want him to come in to your personal space. And when you say yes to that, he comes in, he pushes everything out that was unclean, he makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus, you are covered and washed with his blood, and you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. This is the prophet. This is the anointed one. This is the one I want in my personal life. I'm sorry, I don't know what you want, but I want him in my personal life. I want him in my home and all that surrounds my home. I want him in this church, and I know you do too. I want him wherever I go, whatever workplace you're in. Don't you want the presence of the anointed one with you? Because if you have that presence, somebody's going to see it. They're going to say, Rick, I don't mean to sound funny, Rick, but you're a little bit stranger than most guys I know. (laughs) That's a good way to start it off, isn't it? And I'd like to find out why you are like you are. That's the anointing. When they stop and come to you and say, can I talk to you for a minute? That's Jesus pouring out his anointing on your life and mine. You want to see this church filled? I do. You know I do. And I need to let the anointed one come into my life. I need to invite Jesus into my life so that the people around us every day, right, whoever they are, will see that and be blessed with that anointing. I don't know what you want. I I mean that respectfully. I don't dig into your life. That's not my job. My job is to present the word to you, which I hope I'm doing. But I want people to see Jesus in me. I don't care where I am. Not just at the pulpit. I don't care where it is. I was in Walmart yesterday looking for something, and a young lady was trying to help me. They couldn't find what I was looking for, some specific vitamins. And uh, I thanked her, very, very nice young lady. And as I was turning around to leave, I thanked her again for her work. And she says, "Uh, you have a blessed day. And I said, oh, honey, God bless you. Thank you, God bless you too. Well, nobody says that to you unless there's something in their heart. She didn't know who I was. I didn't say, look at me, look at me. I mean, I'm a really godly man. You better look at me. I didn't do that. And I don't want to do that. But wherever I walk, wherever I go, I want people to see Jesus and the anointing in my life. Amen? Well, I've got to get ready to close. Don't, don't, doesn't mean a thing when he says he's got to get ready to close. <laughs> Coming into this Palm Sunday situation, we see something else in Jesus. We see his concern, and I I really need you to take a picture of Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. And listen to what Jesus says as they're walking into town. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that's where he's going. You kill the prophets, you stone those who are sent to her. 
How often, Jesus is talking, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chick under her wings and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you from now on, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want you to go back and take pictures of the mother hen. This is critical. Critical. We don't think like this because we don't dig. Those of you who were brought up on a farm are going to understand what I'm saying. Because you've been dealing with animals and chickens and whatever else. But he knew what he was talking about when he said, I just wanted to come and take you as my children. And like a mama hen just covers her baby chicks and keeps those baby chicks from harm. I don't ever want to lose that picture of Jesus Christ. I don't ever want to be out from under his arms. He offered that to Israel. He offers that to us today. He offers to protect you, provide for you, to keep you from the onslaught of the enemy, because the enemy is out there to kill us all the time. But Jesus said, if you'd let me, I'll be like that mother hen. I'll be the protection that you need. I'll, I'll be the one that cares for you. I'll protect you. I'll provide. I'll give you joy. He knows when I need the protection. He also knows when I need joy, and I ask him for that from time to time. Lord, I need some joy today. The Jews were unwilling to bow down to spiritual authority, and that was their problem. What about you? What about me? What about our church? Are we willing to bow down to spiritual authority? Are we willing to recognize the anointed one in our lives? I'm sorry, but we take him for granted. And I mean this not in any disrespectful way. But we're busy all week long, and we come to church on Sunday and say, oh, I went to church. Yeah, thank God I went to church. And we take off and go through the week, and we forget about Jesus, and we come back. Oh, yeah, I'm back in church. Is that your walk with God? Sunday, 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 Sunday. Are you willing to be anointed? Are you longing to be anointed? Go back to Luke 4, 18, as we close this. I need to be anointed of the Lord. I need that. Whether I'm preaching or not has nothing to do with preaching. My life needs to be anointed so that people look at me, look at you, and say, I need to talk, I need to ask you a question. Why do you seem so happy? You seem full of joy. Please tell, tell me why, why? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. That's where we started. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us, New Hope. Is there revelation enough this morning that we recognize we need the anointed one, Dean? He, he, we need him in our lives every single day. Wherever, work, I don't care where we are. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I need to know that Jesus is saying to me, the Spirit of the Lord can be on us, just like it was on him. No, I don't think he wants us to go out and, and, and heal people of cancer, although I believe that there's going to be a day when we're going to see a mighty move of the power of God, physical mighty move of the power of God. I mean that with all my heart. But I, I need to know that he wants to anoint me. 
And he needs to know, I want it. That it's not a game. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. That's good news. He's anointed me to proclaim release. People are bound in sin. He's anointed me to, that I should regain my sight so that I can pass that on. He's anointed Jesus to set me free from sin. How many people do you know? Seriously. Good people. How many people do you know that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior? And they're good people. And they're struggling day by day to find something, and they can't find it. Maybe if the anointing is on us, they'll look at us, Lucas, and say, something's going on there. I I better talk to Lucas. Because I can see something in him that I don't see in other people. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Set free from sin Proclaim the favor of God for eternity. I'm not so much interested in this life, although I have to live it, obviously. But this life is just a stepping stone to eternity. My wife's made that stepping stone. She's happy. I'm here. You're here. I've got to keep moving. I've got to keep walking. You and I have got to keep walking because there is that stepping stone. And while we're here, God wants to anoint us so that others may see. Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me. New Hope needs to be able to say, the Spirit of God is upon us. You know me by now. This is family. And as family, we need to love each other to the point where people see the Spirit of God. Are we singing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? Do we want this joy? Do we want this anointing? Is Jesus, Jesus, is this, this is his Palm Sunday routine. He's heading toward the cross as we are heading toward Easter. He's heading for the cross to fulfill Scripture. Because when he hangs on that cross, and I'll share that with you next week, in a message that's called the Covenant of Blood, which I've never preached before, you will see what Palm Sunday was doing. It was offering to the Israelites a brand new door to walk through, and they said no. He is still offering that, Nick, to all of us. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, he's offering us this door to walk through, Lucas. We don't want to say no, brother. We want to say, yes, God, I'm walking through with you. Because God anointed him to preach the gospel. And if we let him flow through us, if we let him just cover us like that mother hen, I'm not going to forget that picture. I hope you don't. Because he's like that mother hen and he's got his arms around you and me and he's not going to let the devil get anywhere near us. That's his job. Let him do his job. And if he does his, we'll do ours. Amen? Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said so that I can preach the gospel. I want the Spirit of the Lord upon this family, this church family. I don't know how many will be here next Sunday. I know the challenge I gave you three years ago, and you almost made it. Boy, you were hot to trot. I'm not challenging you for how many we can have Sunday. 
But I'm challenging you to let God anoint you and me as a family so that wherever we are, we are proclaiming Christ and we are a picture to the world of who Jesus is. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We don't ever embarrass people in this church. I refuse to do that. But if you're here this morning, sir, madam, young man, young lady, if you're here and you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're not sure that you've really committed yourself to him. You're not sure whether you ever said, Jesus, I really need to be saved. I really need to be washed. I really need to be clean and on fire for you. I want to pray for you. I just need to know that you're here. I won't, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. But I just need to see your hand. Pastor, would you pray with me? I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want you to pray with anyone at all. I'll pray with you. Anyone at all, just raise your hand before we leave. All right. I'm going to assume that you know the Lord. If anyone wants to talk to me privately, I'm available for that. So I say, Father, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus, the anointed one. I thank you that you did your job and that in doing that, you gave us freedom from being captives to sin. Help us to appreciate it, Lord. Help us to realize what you've done, not take it lightly, but to cherish the power and the presence of the Holy One in our lives. Strengthen us this week for whatever we must endure. Let us feel your presence day by day. Let us know more and more about the Anointed One who loves us so dearly, he gave his life for us. Bless this group of wonderful people. Bless them, Lord. And we will thank you each day for your love for us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said...